0: Listener Production. Antoinette Latouf here with The Weekend Briefing. So there are so many ways I could describe today's guest. And I'm going to start off by saying Azure Antoinette has an excellent name, and that's purely objectively speaking. Also that Azure is freaking hilarious. She finds a way to get serious belly laughs, no matter how silly or sinister the issue is is pretty new to Australian audiences. Azur is African American and moved to Australia a couple of years ago from the LA. Why did she move? Well, there are a couple of reasons which usually don't go hand in hand, like she moved for her Aussie love, but also because the Ku Klux Klan drove her out of her house. Azur is a Grammy-considered poet, a corporate crisis fixer, a speaker, a global ambassador for people living with multiple sclerosis. And best of all, she is also the co-host of a new podcast called The Antoinettes, which has just launched. You'll find out more about that excellent podcast soon and also which other excellent Antoinette she is hosting with. Later in the show, we'll be giving you the weekend list. That's where my producer, Helen, and I recommend what to see, watch, do, eat, listen to everything in between, and we'll also reflect on some of our briefing listener recommendations. We love hearing from you. We love trying out your recommendations, so please do keep those coming. But first, here is my chat with Azur Antoinette. Azur you describe Azur Antoinette in one sentence? And I know this is a challenge for you as a poet, because you like to use like lots of words, sometimes paragraphs and pages to describe like cloud or a speck of dust.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And just in the first, I don't know, second, the first seconds of us talking, you have already been just so pleasant <laughs> and accosting. <laughs> And, and it is, uh, how would I describe myself in one line uh, without going into a diatribe about clouds, which I would like to say on the record, I have never done.
0: Well, that's something for you to look into. Oh. You're welcome for the inspiration. Oh,
1: bless. Um, I call myself the unconference speaker or the party. I like to call myself the party. Oh. I'm the party. Okay. Yeah. And I feel like you know that that's true. I am the party. And where do you take this party? Uh, wherever I feel it. Wherever I feel it. I like to dance in situations that don't require movement. Um, <laughs> I, I find that, you know, making eye contact while dancing is also really helpful <laughs> and not breaking that at all, even if it is at a networking event. Um, it's something I really love is to unhinge people just by like moving at them. Like right now I'm doing like a desk shimmy at you and just looking at you in your eyes and you feel it. Yeah. But you don't know what to do with it's your hands. A, it's a bit uncomfortable. And I like that. I like the discomfort.
0: So, you like to dance, making uncomfortable eye contact. You, you have a lot of slashes in your title. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that is because you come from LA and you know, everybody is like, I'm an actress mm. and also a waitress and mm-hmm. also a yoga instructor and also a breathwork tra- trainee. And I also like amethyst
1: crystals. Okay. So, so, you have this really beautiful, uncanny ability to take every terrible stereotype. <laughs> okay. so, so, what, you, what uh, for the listeners, for your loyal, Following, I am not a waitress. Okay,
0: no, no I know, and, and um, not that there's anything wrong with being. A
1: waitress. I love waitressing for the people that do it. Yeah, I'm not that. Mm-hmm. What? But you're a
0: poet. Yeah, you help brands try and not stuff up with diversity, equity, inclusion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: What else? Uh, I am a DJ. I am a stepmom of six children, mm-hmm. which is hilarious. I am a public speaker. And a massive patient advocate uh, for people with visible and invisible disabilities. Um, But I like to call myself a storyteller. If I had to describe myself in all seriousness, um, in one line, I am a purveyor of the art of the story. I love to tell stories in any way I can.
0: And one of your stories was just nominated for, or Grammy considered, the yeah. best music for social justice. What was that about?
1: Uh, that's um, That was probably one of the biggest honours of my career. I rewrote a a song with uh, Kevin McKidd, who was one of the stars of Grey's Anatomy. Uh, the song that became really popular on that show was called Chasing Cars. So during the massive unrest of one of many in the United States uh, around Black Lives Matter. Um, in 2020, I rewrote a kind of a remix, a rendition of a genre of music I created called Sub Soul, which stands for subconscious soul, which is my interpretation of trying to write the lyrics or trying to write the meaning or the what I feel is the narrative under the lyric of the song. So Kevin and I re-recorded that. Um, and released that and went and uh, submitted it for the social justice category for the Grammys, which is a, a new a new category, which I was, I was really excited to get in.
0: And you mentioned Grey's Anatomy there, because you're also in Grey's Anatomy, yeah. speaking of all the slashes in your title. <laughs> yes. What was that
1: like? Uh, it was awesome. I was the first character um, to, to portray the disease that I had, which is MS, and also the first gay queer character as well. Um, and that was a lot of fun. The first queer character in all those seasons. No, no, no. The first gay and disabled right? Th- portraying the disease that I actually had, which it's it was I was in season 17. And, uh, you know, it, it's really something to think about representation when it comes to the arts or media to think that a medical show, any medical show or any space really entertainment where they feel they cannot cast the person or mm. persons with the affinity or the disability to think that they are constantly still reaching out for prosthetics or some sort of adaptation. Mm. It, it cannot be that there aren't people in the world that that could actually just be cast, actually. And, and I mean, th- this could this conversation could go a 100 ways. And um I was just really honored to be able to not only showcase the fact that you can work in entertainment in Hollywood with a disability, with that actively being present, and, and it came up a few times on set. Like, they had to call, you know, cut just because, like, I was seizing up a bit, and, you know, it, it was a really interesting experience to be able to showcase— that just because we have the disease and just because you have something that requires attention does not mean that it has you. And mm. it also doesn't mean that you cannot do great things. Yeah. You know, you we don't have enough representation in this space. And it's something that I consider um, to be one of my life's passions and work is to continue just stepping out and showing people what that's like and, and, and letting them understand that you don't have to stop. You don't have to stop living. You don't have to stop— enjoying yourself. You just mm. have to make amendments and, and, and we need to do better
0: with that. Obviously the setting is a medical show. As you say, you had an episode. Yeah. So in that environment I'm assuming yeah. they were pretty well equipped to respond to wh- whatever it was your symptoms were at the time. Yeah, What's your understanding speaking to other disability advocates of you know, we want that representation you see it more on streaming, but do they make the space for it? Is it inclusive? Are those sets inclusive and responsive to what? working with people with disability might look like.
1: You know, the thing about it is that we, those of us in the community, those of us that that are carrying either a visible or an invisible disability, my disease is incurable. So the concept that I want to talk about that every day is I I do not want to discuss it. Um, They made plenty of concession. Um, my right hand was there and Cindy's worked with me for years. And so it was actually really very funny to be surrounded by all of this beautiful medical equipment. I was, I'm was i in a MRI or a CAT scan machine and um, my arm starts popping up like on the table, you know, and it's just it's, I call MS like a very, it's like an unruly house guest more than anything. <laughs> Watching everyone else deal with it is far more annoying than actually having yeah. the incurable disease itself. Because people are always like, mm, do you do, do you need turmeric? So, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> nope, there's nothing in turmeric. Yeah. No, but thank you so much for the recommendation, you know, and, and, um, so they they all look at Cindy and they call cut and they're all standing around me. I'm sitting up on the table and it's all these you know faux doctors and they were like, "Are you okay?" and "Do we need to cut?" and I was like, "I forget that none of you guys are actually doctors." <laughs> like, and they all fall out laughing in that weird like corporate stress laugh. Yeah. They're like, oh, she, oh, she is so, mm.
0: "But you know what?" Grey's Anatomy has a lot to answer for because they're all fake, obviously faux doctors, but uh, also hot doctors. Oh yeah. And so I was in hospital a couple of months ago for a pretty routine procedure, but mm-hmm. which went a little wrong mm-hmm. and. So so I wake up at one point and I lift up my, in the um, middle of the night and I lift up my blanket and there's blood everywhere sure. and I'm like, okay, this is not what it's meant to be. So I call the nurse, she presses the emergency button and then all these doctors run in and I was like, oh my God, this is like Grey's Anatomy, mm-hmm. except none of them were hot. They are
1: not hot. And I was, I was like, it's upsetting. What? There is I was no more upset teamy. about that than yes, the blood. 100% because you go in there and you're just like, well, this isn't a cool experience at all. Like, this is very boring. I even opened a couple of doors that I wasn't supposed to to see if, like, somebody was getting hyped. They weren't. Mm-mm. Everybody, did, I was just like, and it smells weird in here. And it didn't smell on set. It was great. Yeah, you know, I was walking right. around the hospital. And I was like, this is really nice. At one point, it felt so real. I thought I was not okay. Like, I was like, I was like, am I all right? Me and Cindy cracked up. I was like, am I good? No, I'm okay. They were like, cut. What do you mean by am I good? I, I just was, I felt like I was going into surgery. Like, for right. real, for real. Like, I was in the whole garb. And I was like, man, I hope I'm okay. I'm, but I was, I'm fine. <laughs> like, are you going to be here when I wake yeah, up? Yeah, and I was is like, is is every, go? is work? everything all right? We good. But then somebody brought me a hot chocolate, so it was fantastic. Yeah.
0: So you're obviously a poet. And I want to know what it was like when you told either your careers advisor or your mom. And you are like, you know, I really considered my options. And poetry is where I landed. Yeah, well,
1: um, my mom hung up. On mm-hmm. me, uh, she'll. Uh, she's retired. She's a white collar crime and environmental tort litigator. Yeah. So she's, you know, she's very flexible, um, super open to changes. <laughs> you know, she's she's like, yeah, just go where your heart is. She not, never said that. No. Nope, uh. Uh. So she she hung up. But the way she would tell the story was that we got disconnected. Um, but semantically what actually happened is she removed the receiver from her face and hung it up so it wasn't a cell phone time we mm. weren't there like she there was mm. no tunnel it was landline to landline mm. I have to deliver that differently in the younger audiences because they cannot yes. understand what is happening Yes, and yes. I'm like well the phones were never mind yeah. and they're just like how old are you and I was like can you spell? <laughs> you know, so, but it yeah, she didn't uh, she didn't do well. when I when I was asked to open for Maria Shriver um, in 2010, All of a sudden, my mom's narrative, as mothers do, was like, I have always loved poetry. We have been a house of poems. And I'm like, you are okay. So this is where we're going to go. All right. Okay.
0: Well, maybe she was just applying poetic license till Mm -hmm. the phone got disconnected.
1: Yeah. No. I mean, she took a lot of licenses after that. She was like, I love Shakespeare. I'm like, stop this. (laughs) What is happening? Yeah. She's hilarious.
0: So... How does a poet then become a corporate crisis fixer and, and a, a diversity, equity and inclusion specialist? Hmm.
1: Yeah, that, I mean, that's poetic in itself. Well, I studied, um, I studied business administration with an emphasis in ethics and worked in human resources up until I decided after a box of wine and bugle cone-shaped corn chips to become a poet full-time because at 23, that is how you make decisions. It's probably not how you made decisions, Antoinette, mm-hmm. because you, you have a plan for even the plant. Yeah. Um and I'm like who needs it and you're like where Wait, are you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so and we do that, which is great. That's a fun little exercise for us. So, um when I decided to kind of foray into figuring out what life could be like in entertainment, what I realized very quickly was that it is um it's so volatile. Mm-hmm. Waiting for the call, waiting for the yes, you know, you're constantly asking people to accept the version of you in auditions or whatever that is. And I was like, I'm also not made for this. So there's got to be a way to create some sort of baseline for myself. Um, So I started, I started moving around in the corporate spaces after getting on the lecture circuit and talking at a lot of conferences and things like that. And it is, it's been a really cool journey just because it's not something that's been done before. So I I get to architect a lot of, a lot of the blueprint and and how it goes. Um, The blueprint for big brands like Johnson and Johnson. Exactly right. Yeah. And it, And it really is about me being able to combine my love of business and how that marketing moves and the art of storytelling and the art of, of social and emotional learning. Like people are not monoliths. They are not also just the last four digits of 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 their their pay ID. Like people have aspirations and they are carrying the dreams of of their children and generations before them and they use the work as their vehicle to get there. So when you just when you delete that and you mm. you delete their ability to be people you've lost it and and it in it there isn't enough hierarchy in the world to make me think otherwise it is very important no matter what that position is that they feel seen and there are ways in, in which you can do that so I like to go in to these corporate spaces as as a help and as a space where we can tie up some of those synapses because I can be exterior because I can actually now not working in in HR, directly for an organization, I can be what I wanted to be, which was a resource for human beings. So I I like to be able to come in almost like a, a Robin Hood for both sides.
0: Oh, I love that. Yeah. Speaking of both sides, I want to know both sides of the equator, what things are like, because you have clients in the US, but you've also developing lots of work here in Australia. Are the conversations similar? Is the temperature similar? Are we any further here in Australia in our DE&I journey, especially around those kind of intersectional identities? Because for so long it's been like women, 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 mm-hmm. which is important. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as we know, women is one dimension. 100%. And for a long time, feminism has supported a certain type of woman.
1: Yeah. The conversations are not different. Um, Australia is... In some ways, the landscapes are entirely identical. And in other ways, they're, they're, they're so vastly different that you can't, you can't actually compare them. What, I, what worries me at times is the what feels like the obsession to mirror American culture. Mm. Um,
0: in, in what ways do you see that?
1: Well, being here um, for the decision on the referendum was deafening just because I could feel all of the different energies and and I had sat in so many different conversations listening to for and against, but watching the, watching real time, the hurt of people devastated by those results, also with the, oh, enough of that, let's move on. That is so much of what I have witnessed all my life in the U.S. and it's heartbreaking it's heartbreaking when you break it down just the, to the very basics. When you see the uprise and the, the, the furious response around acknowledgement of country, yeah. you think to yourself, what are you on about? Like, this is not—this is okay. There, there are so many ways and so many spaces we can talk about change and things that need to get done. This is not something to be upset about especially if you if you if you I pride myself on being able to pull the situation down to its lowest basic need if it is your home someone walks in barges in the front door kicks you out and tells you to stay in the shed and then is like this is this is where i am and don't bring up another thing and you're welcome and you ought to be grateful in no universe mm. there's not one but i could go on and on and on about a supremacist culture, I can talk about the archetype of how that works. I can talk about how even inside of our own minority communities, there is derision there to turn inward on one another versus mm. to come together to go outward for progress. There, There's so many spaces that you can occupy here. The thing that I find to be evergreen for me, whether it's being in America or being here, is just feeling— um, I feel really forlorn and super torn about the fact that I think I am watching something in repeat. I am watching what I know is is it's not just down the track like it's it's right there and I that breaks my heart. It really does. I think that um to know that I could live in another country across the world and not fear my life. And not fear for my own safety. So you feel you feel safer as a, a black woman here uh-huh. in Australia. I'm a novelty here, and, and by black African American af- black African American as, black as a as yes. separate and distinct from yes. Indigenous black. And listening listening to the stories here from Indigenous Australians, Black Australians, I am um, I am disgusted by that. I am not remotely surprised because of all of the scalable models in the world and i could go on and on about marketing and, and 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 i really geek out about that stuff supremacy and oppression is the most brilliant model of anything i've ever seen it has never required technology it does not require anything other than it, it is completely self-contained people talk a lot about Dismantling the system. It will never happen. It will never eventuate. And I don't feel macabre or cynical saying that. Not only will the unoppressed not allow it, the oppressed keep it going as well. Mm-hmm. Both, both parties have to answer and be held accountable for that. And so a lot of people focus in on like, oh, the system's broken. The system is not broken. It's designed impeccably to skew mm-hmm. It has never skipped a beat. There has not been a, a tech breakdown, it is, nothing. It is
0: versatile. It can pivot. Oh, it's, it's the turn of the century. Oh, AA. Olympic. Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh. It is, it is literally implacable. Mm. But it is not one side that does that. And so I really do believe in my in my body, in my work, in who I am. I just I want to be in the room for the conversations to help de-escalate not only for them but for myself Mm. if I don't stay in this work I will become so hardened yeah if I am not literally on the side of trying to hear people out and trying to fuse a space where we could hopefully have a conversation and not insult each other I'll lose my hope too Yeah. yeah
0: Let's talk about something that brings you a lot of joy Mm. because we know that, as you say, supremacy and in those structures are built and by design they're here to stay and it can be really easy to be overwhelmed and give up and become despondent. Yeah. But you just got married. So let's take a moment to talk about that. (laughs) Yeah. While you are in the US, you were like, I'm going to shoot over there with my sexy fiancé and... By the way, we're going to get married.
1: Yeah. Um, I said to Emma, my fiancé, I said to her, I said, it has been a dream of mine since I can remember. I grew up singing. I love music. I've always been a musician first. And um, I said, but I'm not upset, A, that I didn't win the Grammy uh, for social justice, but also I don't want my first one to be for this. Mm. I don't want it to be for the fact that I'm constantly having to exclaim that that my life does matter mm-hmm. I don't I don't want that I want to be able to be revered for the meritocracy of my talents yeah just for the artistry not the trauma in the artistry. absolutely and I said so let's get married yeah <laughs> in Vegas and we yeah. went to Vegas last year and we had the best time and we won I think like 70 bucks and it was hysterical and then she found out we got free drinks while sitting at the slot machines and she loves a coupon. She is, and so that was fantastic. And then I got some free cashews that had some delicious dust on them. And it, it was like a like a sweet, salty vibe. And then I got a whole bag of them. I would I just wouldn't shut up about it. So they gave me an entire set. And it was we were both very passionately just pumped. So that was why we decided to go to Vegas.
0: Okay, cashews and coupons. That's right. Okay, very romantic. And Emma is (laughs) Emma Isaacs, the business chick founder, and she runs probably Australia's largest women's business networking.
1: Overachieve as much the two of you. Oh, you know, I yeah. She, I mean, listen, look, she's a lot. mm -hmm. She is the best. She's my dream girl. She is the coolest human being I've ever met. She's my best friend. We have the best time together. Um, She has. She has truly uh, exceeded any possibility of me like ever not having just this permanent smile about her. She is 100% walking sunlight and um, she has changed my life in so many ways and shown up for me far before we were together Mm. um, in a way that I, I didn't even think was possible. And um,
0: tell me about her showing up when the Ku Klux Klan showed up.
1: Yeah. So I was living in an active sect of uh, the clan, um, really close to where I grew up in a suburb of Los Angeles, and um, you know, 2020 was a time uh, a lot of people baked bread, which was cool, and did a lot of Instagram live chats that nobody was watching, which was also strange during the pandemic. Um, and as as the votes and as the election started to really come to a head. I realized that I was living in a place that was very unsafe, so I was called the N-word to my face uh, when I asked someone to move their car that was blocking my driveway. I lost my ability to get my mail because my service dog had been listed as a dangerous pit bull. Uh, she's a Great Dane pit bull with, by
0: members of the clan.
1: Uh, oh no! Oh uh, well, potentially he was. He ran all of that county of the post office, so they they filed a bunch of false reports, and I I had to leave my house every day during the pandemic, immunocompromised, to get my mail. Um, when they sent out the animal shelter folks, um, I have a picture of Bella on the floor laying down with the deputy just hanging out, and the deputy's like, "We have no idea." They came to take her and like euthanize her and like she is the sweetest, kindest thing. She's humongous. But that's when I fall or if I seize, she's trained to help me Mm. to help me regain consciousness, you know. So I just there was that Um, there were nails in my driveway and my truck tires. And then they took my entire fence down. And the last straw was my neighbors calling in a threat that I had started a house fire. So helicopter, battering ram, full combat, wasn't seven in the morning. They all came busting through my front door. Um, I was there gardening like I do every day with my bonfire, my little fire pit, you know, from like our home depot, which is like Bunnings here. And I left. I left that day. I drove with one of my best friends. Um, We got in my truck and I drove to Atlanta and um, left my house almost fully packed. I was terrified. Um, Everything was happening. With the legislation around Breonna Taylor and trying to get those cops brought, you know, brought in on charges. And just to think to myself, when I I remember when we, Nate and I were leaving, Nathaniel's my best friend, was my housemate at the time. All of my neighbors were just looking out of their windows and it was like a Jordan Peele get out type vibe. And I thought to myself, I have never, I went to university there in that city. I grew up there and I can remember we Nate and I went to get our hair cut a couple weeks before this, and this guy was standing in the bed of his truck with a double-barrel shotgun next to an ammunition store, and we drove by, and he just followed me with—he just followed our car, and, and they were all just sitting there hanging out. And so there was so much happening just week after week after week. And um, when that started to come to a head, and when my fence got taken down and the nails in the driveway and then the cops, I left that day, and M— M came down, my friend, my very good friend who was with us in Vegas, Celia, flew in from Denver and M and Celia packed up my whole place and put it on a truck and um, and I never went back there. Uh, it's still so awful and, and, and I, I didn't say anything about it on social for a long time, but the amount of messages around, oh, I can't believe this is happening. Well, I mean, if it's happening to me, who has a very public platform, wide range, and can, can safely, you know, impact quite a few folks. You can only imagine what's happening to the people who quite literally have zero resources. I get nervous at times when I see the unrest here. And I just I just pray that I am I have the strength to just keep doing the work. I really want to keep showing up for people no matter what they look like.
0: Part of continuing to show up, and this is something you and I talk a lot about, and it's also having fun and mm. also finding time to laugh. Mm. Otherwise, it all gets really heavy and it yeah. all gets really yeah. overwhelming. So let's talk about your next endeavour because yeah. that is yeah. with me. Yeah. I'm the other Antoinette. That's right. Um, so using all the poetic words you can muster, what <laughs> is the Antoinette's podcast? And why is the Antoinette's podcast needed?
1: In my in my estimation, which my co-host Antoinette is, um, I find to be one of the most brilliant voices of our time, just in the way that she, you, stick to the task of making sure that you tell the story. I see it as a really beautiful confluence of us getting to represent... Both of our lived truths and experience and work and personal, but also like the ability to just 100 percent connect with each other and laugh because you cannot you cannot live a life without that. Mm. It is so important to be like this is happening and this is also happening. So I, I think that our podcast really is opening itself up to let the headlines and life guide it. And I know, you know, from from having producers and being entertainment, you know, you you do have to stick to a plan. But I remember telling you, I was like, oh, you can plan whatever you want. Like, the yeah. world will continue to be itself. It's the only thing I can actually count on is that people will continue to show their ass. And then I'll just be like, that yeah. was Hen- terrible. Hence
0: our tagline, welcome to the shit show. Welcome to it. Which in- encompasses everything. From it really does.
1: Hollywood to yes. politics. yes. To it's parenting. a global... It's a whole vibe. You know, it's it's it is it is a vibe. But I love it because I find it's very difficult to find people that can traverse both the macabre and and heart wrenching. And then it go also to the joy, yeah. which is not saying either one of things these things aren't happening. It just is that this is where we are. Mm. This is where we are. And I don't find a lot of people that will laugh with me. I mean, I can make people laugh. And laugh at you. And they, and you will always <laughs> be there to laugh at me. But it, it is, I, I'm here for it. I love this. I love this.
0: Azura Antoinette, she is bloody awesome. And she is also my new co-host, the co-host of The Antoinettes. That dropped just this week. And it's where two smart asses tackle one problem every week. Nothing is off the table. We won't always break bread. If you're keen on this shit show, subscribe to The Antoinette's podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And now another legend is going to jump into the studio, and it is my producer extraordinaire, Helen Smith because it is time for The Weekend List. Helen, shoot.
2: So my first recommendation is trying a dance class at your gym, if you go to a gym. Now, I didn't mean to try this class. I missed my weights class, and there was only freestyle dance available. Literally called freestyle dance. (laughs) Literally freestyle dance. And I was like, oh, God, I'm just going to have to do it. It was so much fun. Like, I felt so silly. I felt so, like, out of my like comfort zone out of my comfort zone but it kind of just reminded me like don't take yourself too seriously the world is so crazy right now yeah and there's so much going on and it's so easy to feel overwhelmed it was so nice to just let your body move let my body move strange ways
0: yeah and were there mirrors so you could see how oh, ridiculous because yeah. I, oh, yeah. I would not i would not want to see that was
2: the part that i was just like oh my god and, and the, the instructor she's like whoa Woo! Yeah, yeah, Woo. really. Like, and I was like, "Whoa, whoa. <laughs> like, I was like, "I'm not ready." Kind of liberating, I'd imagine. <laughs> it was
0: pretty cool. Like, yeah. So my, my gym doesn't have dance classes, mm. but there are lots of anything from a community hall to the yeah. more serious. Like, I did the stupid thing of once doing my first dance class at like Sydney Theatre Company or something, and I oh, walked wow. in and everyone was like proper like proper yep. pumping and mm. grinding and moving, and I, don't, I couldn't go left to right, so yep. I wouldn't I wouldn't do that. I'd probably mm. do it with
2: yeah and your local gym that's what i was doing yeah i was doing it with all the mums and i was like this is amazing and the other one if you don't go to a local gym there's called mad fit on youtube Mm -hmm. and she does like you can do it in your living room if you're just like okay i don't want to do this in front of people yeah do it in your living room and it's so fun and she has workout dance classes so yeah that is my recommendation move your body have a bit of fun don't take yourself too seriously. That sounds like very good advice. Mm. Um,
0: My first recommendation is this comedian who is quite big, but I've only really come to know her work. It's Taylor Tomlinson. She's an Mm. American stand-up comedian, writer and TV host. So she has three Netflix specials um, and her most recent one is Have It All. She could possibly be the hardest working woman in comedy in the US. She talks a lot about her mum dying of cancer at eight. But she makes really crass dead mum jokes. Um, So once you move past the awkwardness, you know, Mm. she also used to tell her friends um, that her parents were separated. And then when they found out, they were like, separated? Like, your mum's dead? And she's like, well, technically they are separated (laughs) by Jesus. Um, She had an uber-Christian upbringing. She loves Taylor Swift. She has this really, like, all-American kind of look. But Mm. she's just... She pushes boundaries in a way you wouldn't expect someone who looks yeah. like her to. She's super funny and polished. Her, her sets are super tight. Her delivery is amazing. And I'm just super impressed by her. I don't even think mm. she's 30 yet and she has three Netflix wow. specials and she goes everywhere. And I, I think she, I just find her so impressive in such a wonderful performer. So that's Taylor Tomlinson. She has three specials on Netflix, the latest of which is um, Having It All. hmm
2: I love that. I love a female comedian. Check check it out. She's so good. That sounds great. My second one is a TV show. It's called Dance Life. It's on Amazon. Very dancey this week. I I know. I like that. Yeah, It's my dance era. So (laughs) it's called Dance Life on Amazon Prime and it's about these first year full-time dance students at Brent Street, Mm. which is like, you know, known for its amazing dancers and amazing performers. And it's so good. It's kind of like the Australian version of Dance Mums but without the Dance Mums and without all the, you know, crazy full-on yelling. But these performers and dancers, they're like 18 years old, some of them, like quite young. Incredible. They're insane. They're amazing. And it shows you how much pressure and how hard it is in the dance world. So
0: so it's it's impressive but it's also
2: telling of Mm -hmm. the the behind-the-scenes stuff. Oh, yeah. It it really shows you, like, if you want to make it, but you you got a life. Yeah. Yeah. it's yeah, so your whole life and you've got to work hard. You've got to outdance every single person in the room. You cannot mm. have a bad day almost, which they really do show. And they show some of the young dancers, like emotionally, it's quite hard and the toughest of the tough, the most mm. dedicated they get through. But yeah, it leads up to their end of year performance and it's such a great watch. Okay,
0: we'll check that one out. Uh, My final recommendation, um, because I don't eat gluten, uh, not because I'm a celiac, but because I'm intolerant and I'm not going to go into how and why what happens because it's, you know, (laughs) awkward bowel conversations. Um, And I really miss burgers because I I love Mm. burgers. And so I have started having and trying different types of lettuce burgers. And at first (gasps) I used to scoff at people who would have lettuce burgers. And I'm like, that's just a diet burger. That's not a real burger. It is so good. If you Depending on you have to get iceberg lettuce because it has yeah. to be big enough you gotta wrap it come yeah. on we're
2: not gonna be like oop,
0: oop. yeah you've got yeah it's got to be a decent amount of lettuce and anyway i have been experimenting with all sorts of things inside and it, you know begs the question because sometimes it looks starts to look like a bit of a um a stir fry begs the question is the lettuce burger just a bo- a bogan sanchoy bao mm. potentially i know it's lunar new year my answer to that is yes, it is my version yeah. of a bogan Sanchoy bao um, because I start to chop up and put all sorts of things like chicken and stuff and, so, you know, yeah. sometimes even rice that don't belong in a burger and I call it yeah, my lettuce wait, burger. Not... Well, it started <laughs> off as a burger and then sometimes it takes another direction because I'm trying to get creative yeah, right, and I've right. realised that what I have instead inadvertently produced is a bogan Sanchoy bao. <laughs> oh
2: um,
0: my God. And I, especially when I put chilli sauce on it, I'm like, now it really is yeah, a bogan is, sanchoe like... bao.
2: Yeah, see I love this. I went I've actually been having this for the last couple of weeks. Like it's my new fixation meal. Oh, it is. And, yeah, but I'm not putting rice in it. I'm putting like a burger or veggie patty with some cheese and some coleslaw and sauces and stuff. Like mine's more traditional burger style without the rice and without and the bogan Chinese yeah. New Year yeah, Lunar New
0: Year appropriation. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs>
2: that is it for this
0: week thank you so much for being with us and tuning in it's always a pleasure if you want more of the weekend briefing you can find us on the listener app you can download the listener app in the app store and you can follow us there otherwise you can follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from and why not give us a rating and a review for the fabulous interview with azure antoinette and fyi you can review and rate every episode catch you next week
1: Listener.